The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we're working really, really hard to make sure you get the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And tonight we're going to loop back around to that topic that is of intense interest to most real estate investors in the market right now, and that is finding deals. We're doing it with somebody brand new this time, though, Rachel Snyder, who um, got started in real estate kind of through the mortgage lending business back in 2001 and started a company with her partner that closed 3,000 real estate transactions. And then you all know what happened at the end of that decade, right? Every mortgage broker on the planet went belly up all at the same time because the real estate market crashed and there was suddenly no demands for loans and no money to get to people who wanted loans. So uh, they kind of kind of picked themselves up and dusted themselves off and went off in the direction of actually being directly involved in the real estate business itself and have closed over 400 real estate transactions since then. She's joining us today from her home near St. Louis. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. Hi, Vina. Hi. It's good to hear your voice. I know it's been so long. It has, and we usually hear Jason's voice. Like every, that's every <laughs> that, that, that's her partner. Um, every time I send out a request for like, hey, I need to like interview you guys, Jason's like me, 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 me. So I'm glad to have the woman's perspective on this. I am happy to give it <laughs> on this topic today. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so let's um. Let's let's start with uh, that backstory of yours, because the way I said it, it sounds like, oh, so then one day they realized they shouldn't be in the mortgage business anymore. And the next day they picked up and <laughs> went and started doing real estate deals. And of course, that's not what it was like. It there there was there was some time that passed there because, man, that is a hard thing on your confidence level to lose a successful business because of something you didn't even do. It definitely is. I was going to say there is definitely a lot of pain in that, in that transition for sure. Uh, Looking back today, I can say one of the best blessings um, for anyone that's ever been in the mortgage business. It is definitely a grind. Um, 
but it, uh, it, there was definitely a transition. You know, you explained it perfectly, though, that, you know, it was really like one day all these loans you used to be able to do, you can no longer do anymore. Uh, but you still have all these clients still to serve. And so we did that process of transitioning to loan modifications and trying to help people that way. And that didn't work out. You know, they didn't, most people didn't actually end up getting modified. And we thought, what else can we do? One, we're broke personally, um, but there has to be something different. And that's really what led us to real estate investing. We, uh, we started out in that pre-foreclosure world. Um, and since then, we've kept that strategy, but we've definitely done a fair share of just about everything that's out there. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I'm making a note to myself to make sure I get your opinion on what's going to happen in that pre-foreclosure world in the next couple of years, because it seems like things might be changing in that regard from record low foreclosures to, I don't know, 7 million FHA loans and defaults that, that could have, that could have an effect on things coming up here shortly. Uh, So made that note. So let's, let's fast forward to today. What kinds of deals do you guys like to do? I mean, you know, there's, there's, we have guests on here who do rentals and wholesales and retails and lease options and Airbnbs. Like what, what is your favorite kind of deal to go after right now? I'd have to say, you know, I'm, I'm really all about, I'll do just about any deal if it's a deal, but really my preferred way is, is still, I lean a lot towards those pre-foreclosures from from a marketing strategy side. Um, I think it's just near and dear to my heart. But um, with those, you know, a lot opened up from fix and flip to wholesaling and wholetailing. And my biggest thing is running the numbers and seeing what the deal actually calls for me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think my favorite is taking something and, and making it better. Although I don't like the down to the stud rehab, um, but I definitely like leaving a property better than what I found it aesthetically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're mostly focusing, I assume, on single family type properties? Yes, definitely. Yes. On, on the single family resident side, um, primary focus, but definitely involved on some multi-units, um, but more as a financial uh, investor than really being in the weeds of running a rehab to that scale. My my time just isn't doesn't allow for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So when we come back from this break, uh, I want to give people a little bit a bigger picture of all of the different things you do because you have got your fingers in a lot of different business pies. Like they're like I they have a hard time keeping track of everything that you yeah. do, but it's all related to our topic today, which is marketing and systems around marketing. Cause there's no business where you don't have to be a good marketer. <laughs> that, Absolutely. that business just does not exist. So uh, we're going to take a brief time out here and I'm going to invite listeners who have questions to get, either give us a call. If you're listening to us live on Wednesday night at roughly 5.15 p.m. Uh, at 877-772-9658. Again, 877-772-9658. Or if that's not convenient for you, you can send us an email. The address is askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm talking today to my guest, Rachel Schneider, who is... Um, 
she's a serial entrepreneur. And I know the part that you guys care about is how do I find off market deals? But there's a, there's a bigger picture. If you came here looking for like a simple solution, like send this postcard to this list, uh, that's not the answer you're going to get because that's not the reality of the world right now. And there's a, there's a bigger picture here that I think y'all need to understand about uh, Rachel and her marketing and the systems behind it. Because when she tells you what she does, you're going to be like, I don't have time for that, but neither does she. So Rachel, talk, talk a little bit about the, the different businesses that you're invested in that you spend at least some time on. Yeah. Um, so talked about the single family residents and the multi-units, but we also do, we have a hard money lending business. Um, we have a real estate education and coaching business. We have an after school language company. And just recently, uh, I guess in the last like three weeks, acquired a residential assisted living facility. Um, so that's, that's the new venture that I'm now, now getting involved in, um, which I'm super pumped about. But yeah, they, they're, they're similar, but yet different. Um, and I think the biggest thing is, you touch on this, but there are so many things in business that are universal and marketing is absolutely one of those things that the, the business does not, does not get fed unless someone's paying attention to marketing. Mm-hmm. So you didn't just open up your language school and then people just showed up at the door and with money in their hand to, right. Yeah. <laughs> to pay for lots, that. Lots of marketing. Yes. Lots of, lots of marketing all the time everywhere. And it's funny how real estate investors seem to resent that. They seem to resent that the idea that, you know, would I, would I have to market for my inventory? Well, you know, there's there's this other thing where people put their properties up for sale and you can just go see if you can pay what they want. It's called MLS. And it's that it, it, it's it's much it's much less productive to go that route in really hot markets than it is to suck it up and do some marketing because um, I, I don't know where how it is where you live, Rachel, but where I live, all the bank owned properties that are in a situation where they need to be gutted are selling for more than asking price and more than anybody who's actually going to hire people to go do that work is going to be able to pay and make money for it on it. And yet they're still selling. Yep. Same here. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of... Um, Oh, I'm not going to call it dumb money because that's judgmental. I'm going to call it overly anxious money (laughs) in the the market right now. And if you don't want to compete with the over anxious money, which you can't, uh, then you've got to go out to people who have not put their properties up on the market for for whatever reason. Uh, So you have one, two, three, four, five separate businesses here. And you also have a kid at home. I mean, like, it's not that it's not like your entire life is is about running from business to business. How do you manage all of that without working 150 hours a week? I don't I don't wear all of the hats in these businesses, uh, which I think is something that you may have to do in starting out if resources are something that are limited. But you'd be amazed at what even a small profit deal can do to set up your business. And 
you know, I don't need to be an expert at QuickBooks. I need to find the person that is because I don't have an accounting degree. And if I did, I still wouldn't want to do that job. But we oftentimes put ourselves on every single part of the assembly line and it's not the highest and best use of our time. If, I, if I'm in my real estate investing world and really in any of these businesses, my time is best spent having conversations that lead to, you know, closing that next deal, getting that next accepted offer. Um, but someone has to be responsible for it and you have to delegate, but you have to manage if you're going to delegate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that leads us into our discussion of marketing. <laughs> because I, I, well, I talked to a, I talked to a student on the way up here and he said, well, who, who are you talking to on the radio? And I, I told him and he said, you know, I really like what Jason and Rachel have to say, but the thing is I have a full-time job and I don't have, you know, it's, I, I can't do all the different stuff that they do. Cause you know, I just, I get home and I take a shower and then I get on the phone and I don't have any other time other than those couple hours in the evening. And I say, you're, you're misunderstanding how this works. <laughs> like yeah. they, they talk about the stuff that they do, but if you think it's them doing it, <laughs> you are, yeah. you are incorrect in that regard. Okay. So you all talk about marketing in a different way than I think most people think about it. Mm-hmm. I, I think most people think about how do I get the perfect list and the perfect postcard or the perfect list of people to call and then just do that once and there's a deal in my lap. You all have more of kind of a a funnel or maybe that's not right the right word. You have you have more of a system for doing lots of things with the same list. So can can you don't tell me how you would how you would define that would you say it's a marketing funnel a marketing system i really say you know it's really multiple layers of communication i think there's such a misconception out there that you know with looking for the perfect list and and the perfect marketing piece and the reality is you've got to find people at their preferred way to communicate and you know i'll do this in a room but it's different for everybody on how you could reach out to them and how and and your chances of getting a a response from them through this avenue and that avenue and this avenue is drastically different because everyone pays attention to certain things you've got people who never check a facebook messenger or you have people who live in their emails and we can never predict which one of those ways of communication is going to be their preferred so we have to try all of them we have to continue to reach out to people, and it's not the the one touch either. You know, I might I might call you and leave you a voicemail. You not replying to that voicemail does not mean that you're not interested. It likely means the timing isn't right. So I'm going to also incorporate every other way that I could possibly communicate with you, and technology is so much better than what it was when I got started in this business. We have way more tools to utilize, but you you continue on with it as well you know my initial marketing it's probably a minimum of i think my shortest one which would be pre-foreclosures for me and that's because i'm in a a state that moves very quickly but it's 15 touches and that's my initial marketing drop you know that's not even going into the follow-up that that everybody must have as well okay 
So you just said 15 touches. So let's just make make sure everybody who's listening understands what that means. You found me. Yep. I am going to get 15 separate contacts from you. Absolutely, yeah. And, and some of them might be duplicated, but I've got to switch stuff up. You know, there are certain people, they want to make their outbound calls at 10 o'clock in the morning. Well, if I work at a place and 10 a.m. doesn't work, you need to try an evening, an afternoon, a weekend. You know, people live busy lives, and so we've got to try it all. I, I hope this is. I'm just. I'm sitting here hoping this is sinking into listeners because the the other thing that you hear from you know some of the some of the companies that want to do 50 deals a month. Mm-hmm. Which is which is not me and not you. <laughs> I think we're, yeah. I think we're, I yeah. think we're more satisfied with like doing good deals and making money on them and just doing a few a month sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> and they talk about these humongous mailing lists and contact lists. You know, I, I drop a hundred thousand pieces of mail a month, and what you're talking about is working off of smaller, more targeted lists. Because anybody who's dropping 100,000 pieces of mail a month, I don't care where you live, they're dropping it just to whole neighborhoods. Like, yeah. no no reason to know that, no reason to think that anybody in that particular neighborhood is motivated, but we're just going to blanket the neighborhood with mail. You're, you're talking about being able to work off of much smaller, more targeted lists and just work the lists harder than other people are working them. Absolutely. So many people... You know, I, every time we, you know, go and speak somewhere, someone's like, well, what if everyone is doing the same thing? And I'm like, here's the reality is that most people go for what's easy, and that's a one-touch marketing system. I mailed them a letter. Now I'm sitting here and waiting for my phone to ring. And it, and it's about really out outworking them more than it is, do you know everything that you need to know about the real estate state investing world? And and, and not to say you won't pop a deal from, you know, sending postcards out to an entire neighborhood, but man, I can't count on that to build a business. And with a business, you have to have consistency. And so I'm looking for people that have a high likelihood of a chance that they've got a need to sell their property. Mm-hmm. And that's a big difference than, than just blanket marketing out there or even pulling these enormous lists. And you don't have to work with as many pieces, like you said. It's a much smaller, um, very manageable amount of data to mm-hmm. get you to be at a place that you can close consistent deals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also by working that sort of smaller list, you can do something that uh, tends to work out real well for people, which is you can specialize in dealing with particular kinds of sellers. Yeah. Um, it, it is no joke to deal with sellers that are in pre-foreclosure. You, you got to have some understanding of the foreclosure process and what they're going through and how short sales work and which banks are just like not going to do it <laughs> no matter, <Yeah. laughs> no matter how, how good the offer is. And, and it's the same thing with probate sellers. You know, there, there's, going to be certain laws around probate in your area that that you you have to know and if you are the person who really knows how to walk walk them through it you can do really really you can do much better than your competitors would do with a, a probate lead so smaller lists of people more touches gives you the opportunity to become more of an expert and to know know the stuff that you need to uh, learn and kind of occupy your own little niche there and just 
do your deals and not worry about what all your competitors are doing. All right. So when we come back, we're going to have Rachel walk us through an example of, well, we'll just, well, I'll let you pick Rachel, because uh, I'll, I'll have you I'll have you tell people which kinds of things, which kinds of sellers you work with. But uh, we're going to pick one for the sake of this example and talk about um, how you get that list and the contacts and all that sort of stuff. Try and give people a little bit of an REI blueprint, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so, listeners, if you have any questions for Rachel, our number here in the studio is 877-772-9658. You can also email your questions, askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Rachel Snyder about her marketing techniques that have been working really well for her since she and her partner have done like 400 deals since they started doing this. Um, do you need to take a quick time out here for a second? And um, you're going you're gonna to hate this, Rachel, because it's going to bring the mood way down here. Um, <clears throat> so I, I really hope I'm not telling listeners for the first time that Congress is on a path to um, make investing in real estate and real estate related assets in your IRAs very much more difficult than it is right now. Uh, the the bill is already written. It's part of the Build Back Better Act. The only reason it is not already law is because Congress could not agree to even take a vote on that until they, you know, get their ducks in a row about the other stuff they want along with that. But it's there. And once they vote on it, it's going to pass unless we all manage to um, let our congressmen know that we are not Peter Thiel, but in fact, rely on our IRAs for a modest retirement income. There is a meeting about this law and what it says and what you should be doing to contact your various federal uh, folks uh, tomorrow night at Cincinnati RIA. It's on Zoom. It is, there's no charge to anybody to come to that. It's going to be John Heyer talking about uh, what you know, translating the law for us and, you know, then you're going to say, well, could I buy a note in my IRA if this passed? Could I have an LLC in my IRA if this passed? Could I still have my checkbook IRA if this passed? And he will answer all of those questions and more importantly, sort of talk about what to do next. So how do you join in on that meeting, which you should do wherever you are in the country, because this is a federal law. CincinnatiRIA.com, CincinnatiREIA.com. You are welcome to come early to hear uh, Mark Hutton talk about his adventures in residential assisted living. But the main meeting where John's going to be speaking is going to start about 7.15 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. So again, CincinnatiRIA.com. Okay, so Rachel, um Pick a list. <laughs> like pick, pick. I'm going to pick probate. Okay. So pro, probates is one of the, and so, so we're talking here about like, this is still actively in probate. The uh, owner has passed away, but the property is still making its way through the legal thing called probate. Right? Not, yeah. Okay. So not inherited property nope. is probate. Okay. So probate, yep. that's a challenging one. All right. So, what is it that you like about that list? Like, why why do you think seller? Why do, why do you think that gets you the kind of deal you want? Well, I think there's multiple reasons, but I think most importantly is there's the 
incorrect assumption that, you know, this is a free and clear asset that someone has just inherited. Um, even, even while it's in that probate process, you know, if there's a mortgage on that property, someone has to make that mortgage payment. And even if it is free and clear of a mortgage, we still have the taxes, the insurance, the utilities, everything that it takes to still even carry uh, um, a property. And most people don't have the financial resources to support another property. Um, and, and, you know, there's more expenses than that that you could dig into. But I always say that, you know, as real estate investors, we're problem solvers and there's multiple problems that someone could be dealing with in a probate situation. Why us coming in and being the buyer is their best scenario. Deferred maintenance on a property, that's not your ideal MLS house. You know, if the roof needs to be replaced or major mechanicals, or even if it just still looks like it's 1980 in there, um, that doesn't work anymore. And um, we're able to come in and, and there's even things like the house is full of 30 or 40 years worth of someone's stuff. That's a huge challenge for a lot of people because there also is the assumption that if you inherit this home and, you know, you're the personal representative who's kind of been deemed to be in charge of, of the probate itself, that you live in the same town. And sometimes we've got people that are in completely different states. And so there's many different challenges for someone in that situation that make a real estate investor their best buyer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've got potentially motivated sellers here. Yep. I'm sure that 95% of the stuff you see in probate, maybe 99 is the single family homes you like. Mm-hmm. They're good rehab properties because they usually have some level of deferred maintenance in them. And without, uh, we can't really talk about like our favorite list companies or anything on public radio, but just briefly, how do you get a hold of a list of people who are settling estates? Uh, Yeah, this is perfect for me because I'm a direct to source kind of person. And this is public knowledge. So it is, it is listed at your somewhere in your court system. Um, so the courthouse is your best friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and you can pull all of that information from there. Yeah. And this is where, um, this is where I, I have discovered there's a little bit of a misunderstanding about this when I, when I tell people about it. They think they're going to call their local probate court <laughs> and say, give me a list. Yeah. Of, of everybody who has passed away in the last, you know, year or whatever. And that's not it. It's not that the, it's not that the, the court is going to do you the favor of sending you a nice spreadsheet <laughs> on these. Yeah, I'm sure they love that question. Yeah, I'm sure they do. So, so somebody actually has to go in there to the system, has to, uh, in many places it's online, in other places it actually takes a trip to the courthouse to go look these yeah. things up. Yeah, and don't let that discourage you. I have so many people, you know, and everyone's always worried about competition. Do what everyone isn't doing. Most people won't take the time to go to the courthouse, and it doesn't have to be you that actually goes down there. I get excited when we get into markets where it's not accessible online. Because there are people who are willing to trade their time for money to go down there and do it, and it doesn't have to be you. Absolutely. Okay, so who exactly, and I'm, I'm asking this question because you, you picked probate, who exactly are you looking for? Because in a, in a, when a will is filed, 
it'll name a personal representative or we call them uh, uh, administrators or executors here in yep. this part of the country. But then it also names a whole bunch of other people who are entitled to stuff from the estate, just the heirs. Yes. And, and it names an attorney who's going to, who's going to take care of all of this. Which one of those people are you after, or is it all of them? It's all of them. I'm looking for anybody that has, you know, that is associated with that probate filing that has the ability to get me into the property. And the answer is all of them. You know, executor, administrator, personal representative, all the same person, all of the heirs, you know, in the example I gave where they may not even live in the same state, you might have, you know, a personal rep that is in Texas, your property sitting in Ohio, but one of the heirs lived right in the same area and so who's best at getting me in that property it's definitely not that personal rep that's sitting in a different state my best option is the heir Um, but attorneys are a great resource for you as well I have met several attorneys at properties and done my homeowner appointment with the attorney that's representing the probate Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so basically everybody everybody now what about these contacts? Because the reason I said you picked a challenging one, yeah, is that a, a lot of a lot of people are um, they're hesitant to pick up the phone and call an exec an executor or a personal representative or someone that they see as potentially being a grieving person mm-hmm. with a message about, "Hey, do you want to sell that house?" So absolutely. What what do the contacts look like for you for this particular list? So I am contacting, there is a difference. The attorneys, I communicate with them differently than how I would communicate with the personal rep or the heirs, but their marketing is exactly the same. And the one thing I want to tell you about probate is it's a longer campaign from the marketing side of it because timing plays such a big part. Uh, when I drop that first batch of, of marketing, they may not have even thought about what they're going to do with the property, and that may just be planting the seed. Um, and so that's that's really a campaign where where I'm reaching out to them over over a course of many months, and then they flow into my follow up side of it. Um, but I'm utilizing every single avenue of communication from Facebook to phone to letters, to um, text messaging, to email, any way that I can, excuse me, any way that I can possibly make contact with them. And with the attorneys, I'll also utilize LinkedIn to make contact with them. That's one where it's a little bit different for them. And I'm trying to schedule a meeting um, as soon as possible. The attorneys, I'll take them out to coffee and just have a conversation with them. Uh, but I'm utilizing every single one of those. Mm-hmm. And and with probates, I'll give you this. I'm pushing out every six weeks to them is my is part of my campaign timeline of me reaching out to them. There's follow-up in between there, but the, the big drops of utilizing every one of those communication avenues is dropping out every six weeks to them. And that's a longer time frame than you would use for something like pre-foreclosures where it Absolutely. might only be six weeks from the time the case is filed until things on the courthouse yeah. steps if you live in Texas mm-hmm. or Mississippi or someplace like that. Okay, so 
I'm going to go to a listener question because this is related to something you just said and, and something I, I think we mentioned way back at the beginning. Uh, Dan wants to know how it is that you are getting people's Facebook profiles and or emails when he gets lists, he only gets names and maybe a phone number. That is a great question, Dan. So I take every piece of data the minute it is pulled and all of it goes through a skip tracing platform. And some of you are very familiar with skip tracing. And for anyone that's listening that is not, that is really taking information that you have on a person. So it can be as simple. Really, all I need is a name, person, last name, throwing it into there are many different platforms into a platform and it will start to generate email addresses that have been linked to them, phone numbers, mailing addresses. Many of them will give you social media links as well. And and that is where I'm filling in the holes of what my list or my data is missing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure there's some squishiness there, just like there's squishiness in the phone numbers. You know, skip, <laughs> skip tracing yeah. companies are pretty famous for, you know, you'll, you'll, send them here's here's 20 names i found driving for dollars and addresses that are associated with them and for some of them you get back eight different phone numbers and none Mm -hmm. of them work (laughs) so i'm sure there's some i'm sure there's some squishiness in is this really the the facebook profile of of this mike Wright, you know or is this is this really the um sorry my microphone keeps dropping away from me uh, so, I mean, that's just something you live with. And, and I, I see people get obsessed over that kind of stuff. They, they will spend so much time uh, trying to make sure they have the right this and that, that they never actually make the contact. Yeah. You can never re- <clears throat> research, <clears throat> excuse me, the data or the skip tracing information that comes back to you. All you do is pull the trigger. There's no process of elimination. If I get eight phone numbers that come back, I'm calling all eight of them. And you'll find sometimes, especially when you outsource this, that they give you the top one or the top three. And trust me, um, and this goes for every skip tracing platform that's out there, there is no... There's no order by date of the most recent numbers. So you utilize all of them. All I need is one of them to be the right one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can't you can't get frustrated over the fact that you uh, probate is not a list that happens to be available to buy. Typically, some areas you can. Some some areas some right. company has set up a little you know I, I will give you this information thing, but. When you buy a list and you send out a thousand pieces of mail and you get back 70 of them, you can't be like, well, this doesn't work. I mean, you, can't, you, can't get, right. you can't get obsessed by the contacts you didn't make. <laughs> you have to keep driving forward with the contacts that you can make. Uh, we need to take one more quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Rachel about who actually does all of this Get some advice from her on follow-up in a hot market and answer your questions at 877-772-9658 or at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Rachel Schneider, who, by the way, is completely forgotten to mention this so far because I've been so involved in the conversation. 
Uh, she is presenting at the 2021 OREA National Real Estate Summit, which is coming up in two weeks. Can you believe it? Two weeks here in Cincinnati. Um, they're going to be talking about marketing and their systems and all the stuff that they do. And they're one set of 26 different presenters and topics that uh, real estate investors need to hear. If you'd like to come to that, there are about 49 seats left at the event, and you can come by making a donation to WMKV, to public radio here. Uh, what you want to do is go to WMKVFM.org, and then if you just scroll to the bottom of that first page, that home page, you'll see OREA, click here, and then there's a way for you to just put a pledge on a credit card, and gosh, what a win-win. You get to donate to public radio, which you know you should be doing anyway, and then you also get to come to the OREA National Summit and hang out with 850 of your fellow like-minded people, along with 26 amazing presenters, including Rachel. So, Rachel. Yes. There, there were a lot of there are a lot of pieces to what you just said. Somebody's going mm-hmm. to the probate uh, site and probably daily or every other day pulling down new wills that have been filed. Somebody is skip tracing. Somebody is making calls. Somebody's probably going on Facebook and finding folks to send messages to. How how many different people are involved in this? So. All marketing from pulling data to the skip tracing to pushing out all of those outbound messages, if it's not automated because there's a tool that allows it to happen, so this would, you know, be things where, where you can run it through um, ringless voicemail or text if you're, if you're able to do that, it is all done by one virtual assistant mm-hmm. that takes care of all of that. Okay. And I assume that's a, and, probably a full-time person. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is very full-time. Um, and we do multiple different marketing strategies. So it is very full-time for them. We do, I, I guess I should say, because we do multiple, there are two of them. But that's a virtual assistant that, that takes care of every bit of that marketing piece, even checking on the replies that come back in from the email to the to the Facebook messages, to, you know, any any of those inbound responses that come in as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at what point do you and Jason touch it? Like, like is um, the deal already so, wrapped up or does it just have to be a, yeah, I'm interested in selling my house? So unless it's local to me, um, the only thing that I touch really from inception to close is verifying that the numbers are right. Um, part of that is probably because I'm a control freak, but I am a big believer that the numbers are everything, um, and they make or break deals. So that is, that is the one rule that I'll always do. If it's, if it's right in my backyard, I'll still go do a homeowner appointment today. I enjoy meeting people and walking a property, but someone else is figuring out, you know, what we're doing unless I have a different idea about what I think that we should be doing from a rehab side of it. Um, but the numbers are, are what I really look at. It's easy to get in the habit of saying I'm a fix and flip person, but if I can wholetail or wholesale that thing and, and, and make a profit that it makes more sense to do, 
and that's the way that I want to, I like my investing business to run. Mm-hmm. So there's acquisitions, you know, people taking inbound phone calls, people making outbound phone calls. And right now we've got, you know, two of them with data is low in certain areas, but I'm marketing to people back before COVID even hit um, from, from on some of these marketing strategies because that data is still good. They're still in their situation. So um, that's two. And then actually going out and, and doing those homeowner appointments is two as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's a who, not how thing. Yeah. Like, like you can teach people how, and then they can sit there and say, but I can't, I have a full-time job. And I, I didn't, that, that sounded uh, snarkier than I intended it to. I thought people do have full-time jobs and, and people are running other businesses. And yeah. it, the question is never, how am I going to do this? The question is, how do I get a system in place that I can easily train other people to do and then replace them if they quit? It can't, it also can't be a tragedy if your acquisition person quits and you're just like, Oh, I'm out of business now. (laughs) Yes. And, and, you know, the first acquisition person I ever used was a very successful local wholesaler in, in my market. Um, because I knew he could go on the homeowner appointment and close the deal down and I paid more for that. But at the, at the time, time was something that I did not have extra of. And doing, you know, still being able to do deals and capture a, a good percentage of those profits, it still made sense to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I have uh, talked to almost everybody who was presenting at the OREA Summit about it has been, how is your business different this year than it was in 2019 or 2018 or 2017? And everyone has had an answer. Like nobody, nobody's mm-hmm. like, Oh no, it's no different at all. I'm doing yeah. exactly the same thing and in exactly the same way and exactly the same proportions as I was before. Yeah. What I'd like to talk to you about specifically is how has your business changed in terms of handling the leads when there is so much more competition, you, you know, a lot of these people are talking to other people follow-ups, length of conversation, what advice do you have for people for the market right now in terms of how they should handle these leads once they come in? Follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. And even and, and you're on my follow-up list even if I've never spoke to you. Until I confirm that property sold or we've had a really terrible conversation and you told me uh, to never call back again, right? Um, I'm going to continue to follow up. Uh, like I said before, you know, I'm working leads from pre-COVID still because I know the problem is still there. It, it just, it's just got a Band-Aid on it right now. And so I'm the one who has been consistently still reaching out and still touching in and, and letting you know that you do have options and there is a way for you to be helped out of the situation that you're in now more than ever. And I'd say follow-up is something we've always been good at, but then when, when everything's happening in the market that we're in right now, I've had to elevate that even more than, than how I had to be before, you know, in years past. And so that, that would be my biggest um, kind of nugget to give everyone is it doesn't matter to me if the data is a year old, six months 
take the deal down when the timing is right. And that's something that I think that people discount that because this is someone I, you know, pulled data on six months ago or someone I talked to two months ago and they told me they were going to rehab the house themselves, that that means that they did that. Mm-hmm. Um, checking in and just saying, hey, and I just, just sold a property that was that exact scenario that he was rehabbing it while I was continuing to reach out to him. And he finally said, you know what, my wife has given me a ton of grief on me coming over and trying to finish this house up. What can you do? What will you offer me? And we were able to make the deal work. So follow-up is so strong right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's something that, unfortunately, a lot of folks are not great at. Again, they want want it to still be true that you can send out 100 postcards, get seven calls, make (laughs) make a deal off of those seven calls. But that was 2011, people. (laughs) It's 2021 now, and we're all – we're all – facing the same challenges and of course at the on the other side having the same opportunities if you've got a say if you've got a house for sale or a house for rent you are <laughs> overwhelmed with people who want that you just gotta oh, yeah. get it in the first place so rachel appreciate you being on today lots of really good information here that i hope people will take to heart because it is true and i look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks at the orea summit Absolutely. I cannot wait. Thank you. And I will see you real soon. Thank you. For more information about the OREA Summit, go to WMKVFM.org. Scroll down to the bottom. Look for the big thing that says OREA Summits. Try and get yourself there. Also, don't forget tomorrow night's Cincinnati RIA meeting about what Congress is doing to IRAs. You can sign up for that at CincinnatiRIA.com. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <music>